Hello, hello, and hello. Welcome to the Movie Bugle Podcast. My name is Justin, and I am so excited that you guys have decided to listen to me talk about movies and TV shows. (laughs) Well, this is going to be the last episode of this season, everyone. So welcome, and thank you for tuning in. You know, 2021 was a crazy year. I'm looking back at just everything that I've accomplished just within my personal life and what, you know, within the Movie Bugle. I actually started the movie Bugle in 2021. I think it was March of 2021. So, and I've done two seasons so far. I decided back in the summertime that I wanted to break uh, the episodes up into seasons. So pretty much what that means is I'll go for a stretch of time, maybe like three or four months, um, and then I'll take a little break and then I'll come back and, you know, dedicate some more time to it. So season one, I believe it went from March all the way through the end of July. Then I took August off. And then season two was this fall season. So I started at the early beginning of September and I am now concluding with, you know, technically it's the end of 2021, but my last two episodes came out, you know, the, the week after the new year. So it's been so much fun, you guys. I'm so excited about what the future brings. Thank you for everyone who's been tuning in, who's been checking me out, who's, you know, picked up on my page just online or if I suggested it to you or a friend suggested it to you. Thank you so much for everyone who's been tuning in. And um, I can't wait to join you guys again this spring. But for now, you know, I want to talk about my top movies of 2021. But before I get there, let's do some housekeeping really, really quick. Um, As always, please be sure to follow me on my Instagram page at The Movie Bugle. You can also follow me on Twitter at The Movie Bugle. The Movie Bugle is available all over the Internet. I'm on um, Apple Podcasts. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on iHeartRadio. I'm on Google Podcasts. And I'm on TuneIn. So the best thing you can do to actually find the links for all of those, if you go to my Instagram page, you can click the link in my bio and it would take you to my Linktree page. And you can find all those different, you know, ways of tuning, you know, tuning in as well. You can donate to the Movie Bugle. You know, I want to do some things and I want to I want to grow. And, you know, obviously I, I'm going to need some help. Or uh, you could just go directly to the page. The, the Linktree page itself is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash uh, the movie Bugle. And you'll find everything there. So, like I mentioned, this is the last episode of season two. And uh, I wanted to take a look back at 2021 because, uh, you know, I watched a lot of movies. There's a lot of movies that I left on the table, unfortunately. Um, so I'm I'm going to go ahead and just put that out the way. There's some movies that I feel like that would have made this list, you know, the biggest one that I just could not get around to watching um, was West Side Story. I have not seen West Side Story, the one that came out in 2021. I know, I know. I'm a huge musical person. I love, you know, the West Side Story the musical. I just haven't had time. I still plan on seeing it. Um, so that's just what I'm throwing out there that I have not seen. Um, so this is just from a list of movies that I have seen, that I have actually uh, watched. And this list actually comes from the all the movies that were released in 2021 i think there may be oh no that one didn't make the list i just i was just thinking about it but overall i've watched a total of 49 movies in 2021 which is crazy you know obviously like i said there's there's a handful of movies i left off the table but i've watched a total of 49 movies 
and you know and that's just released movies in 2021 that's not movies that i've watched you know that have already came out like i know on new year's day if you didn't know uh, hbo actually released uh the harry potter special it was like a 20 years from the first one ever coming out so they brought back as many of the cast members as they can and they just talked about all the different movies and stuff like that so leading up to it i went back and rewatched all eight all eight harry potter films so that's what i mean so i've watched obviously more than like 50 movies last year but you know these are brand new movies that were released whether in theaters whether on streaming whether pvod which is premium video on demand you know i've watched them so i put together a list of my top 10 you know it's taking a little bit because i would say besides my number one which is which i've talked about that movie so much so you probably should already know what that movie is but you know i'm gonna I'm save it you know like whatever but i would say my top uh, uh, four, so two through four, or either two through five, it can be interchangeable. So it was kind of hard for me to really like definitively, you know, come up with this top ten. But I put it together for you, and uh, I want to go through. But before I get to my top ten, if you follow me on my Instagram page over the past week, I've been listing my top twenty through eleven. The reason why I did a top twenty through eleven is because I didn't. There were so many good movies that came out this year. And a lot of that is because, you know, movies that were supposed to come out last year got pushed because of this whole Prometheus that's going on outside. So in case you don't know, I, I call the pandemic every other P word that I can think of. So I will say a parallelogram. I'll say Panera Bread. I'll say Pizza Hut, uh, Prometheus, uh, a period, a parentheses. So in this case, it's a Prometheus. Anyways. There was a lot of movies that were pushed from 2020 to 2021 because of a whole parallelogram that's going on outside. And um, I just couldn't leave these movies off. Like, you know, I, I was going to do like an honorable mentions, but I was like, you know what? These movies out of all the 50 movies that I've seen. Well, it was technically it's 49, but just we're just rounding up uh, out of all the 49 movies that I've seen in 2021. You know, like these are my honorable mentions. So just going to go down the list really, really quick. If like I said, if you follow me on my Instagram page, you'll be able to see those movies. Um, I've posted each one on there with a description about them and all that stuff like that. Uh, so coming in at number 20 was Candyman coming in at 19 was Free Guy coming in at 18 was in the heights coming in at 17 was justin timberlake's movie palmer uh really loved that movie coming in at number 16 was raya and the last dragon uh coming in at 15 was another disney movie cruella had so much fun i'm a huge emma stone fan coming in at number 14 was mortal Kombat. i know that one kind of surprised people just because i know as a movie itself it wasn't the greatest but i'm a huge mortal Kombat fan and i had such an amazing time watching this movie um so that's why that's number my, my number 14 Number 13 was The Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock and Viola Davis. Number 12 was Bruised, um, directed and starred by Holly Berry. And number 11 is Concrete Cowboy. And that was a Netflix movie with Idris Elba. So if you want like a brief description of how I felt about the movie, check out my Instagram page and you'll see it on there. But for the time remaining on this particular episode, we're talking about my number, my, my top 10. So these are, like I said, it, it took a while and I'm going to try to explain a little bit about each of them you know how i felt about it and all the good stuff like that because it's it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot and you know i i'm a huge comic book fan i'm a huge you know marvel person dc person disney person but to be completely honest a lot of the movies in my top 10 are indie movies 
you know, they are, they, you may be a little surprised about the what's in my top 10, or if you follow me, you may not. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start with my number 10. So coming in at number 10 on my top 10 list of 2021 is a movie called Zola. Now, Zola, the reason why this movie ended up in my top 10 is because I remember going to the theaters and seeing this movie. Well, actually, first off, let me just back up. Zola is actually based on a true story or based on a Twitter thread a few years ago. I actually did not read the Twitter thread. I didn't know about this at all, but apparently a lot of people did. And it's about this girl named Zola on Twitter one day. Um, a few years ago, uh, she, I think, posted 140 tweets about this crazy story about how she met this random white girl and they went down to Florida and had this crazy adventure and all this stuff like that and put it all out there. She's very vulgar. She's very, you know, outspoken and everything like that. And they made a movie about it. And the movie is very meta. It stars, it stars Taylor Page, Riley uh, Keough, if I mispronounced that, I'm so sorry, and Nicholas Braun. Um, Taylor Page is actually someone who's been on my radar for a little bit. I first seen her in this TV show called Hit the Floor. She's actually in this other movie that I've seen this year called Bougie. Really, really cute movie. Um, I like it a lot. But, you know, it's this movie is very, very meta. That's the, the one thing I can say. Um, when I was watching it, I kind of like in the beginning I was like okay this movie is very like weird how they're structuring it but once I actually figured out how they how they were doing it like they would read the lines like how a Twitter was met like how you would type it out on Twitter and how this girl actually spoke so I was like this is like bad writing like like who does this but then once I realized what they were doing I was like oh okay this is kind of clever and then i actually got really into it the story is crazy um uh, but overall I had an amazing time watching this movie um, you know, I'm from Florida and you always hear about those crazy Florida stories. So I couldn't relate to this, you know, the story about what happened personally, but I have known a lot of people who have gone through similar stuff like this, um, in the sense of just meeting people and going through crazy things, not everything that uh, Zola actually went through, but you know, just meeting people and just doing crazy stuff in Florida or, you know, whatever happens in Florida stays in Florida type thing. But Zola, um, it came out in the summer. I saw it in theaters and um, I had such an amazing time watching this movie. I love it so much. So like I said, coming in and my number 10 is the movie Zola. All right. So next up on my list is in my number nine spot is A Quiet Place 2. Now, A Quiet Place, I remember when the first one came out, I was actually in Florida visiting family and I went to see A Quiet Place in theaters um, I think I saw it at the Disney, the Disney AMC theater in Adobe because, you know, when a movie is called A Quiet Place, even though a lot of the movie, you know, is is quiet just because of the premise of the movie. Sound is a huge part of the premise and sound is actually a character in the movie, in my opinion. So and I love the first one. Loved it. I'm a I'm a casual fan of horror movies. I, I wouldn't say I'm the the biggest fan. Um, I'm usually more into like the slasher, you know, type. I don't mind like gory. If it's too much gory, it doesn't bother me. It's just kind of like all right, it's it's a it's a lot. But if it's gory and it fits the the point of the story in the sense of like you know, it's not just over the top. Like I don't have to see blood and guts and stuff all over the place. I'm okay with that. But um, I love a good suspense movie. I love a good thriller. 
I love a movie that keeps me on my seat. You know, a few a jump scares here and there. And I feel like when a movie earns them, it's is worth, you know, mentioning. So uh, A Quiet Place 2. Directed by John Krasinski, um, starring Emily Blunt, Melissa, uh, as a Millicent Simmons, and and Chillian Murphy. If if I'm mispronouncing those names again, I am so sorry. Yeah, don't roast me. <laughs> but you know, John Krasinski, he wrote and starred in the first one. Um, he's in this movie briefly in the beginning. Um, because spoiler alert, if you didn't see the first one, his character actually dies in the end. So when I saw the previews for this one and I saw he was back in it, I was like, okay, they must be showing how everything started, which they did. And you know, and then we pick up exactly where the first one left off. Um, pretty much, it's uh, Emily Blunt's character and her three children. Well, she has two, like you know, older children, and she just gave birth to a baby. And it's just crazy how, like, walking through like this story. You know, like I said, sound as a character. So with this movie, I saw it in Dolby, uh, in Dolby, Dolby Theater at AMC because Dolby has like theaters where you can go and experience the movie for its sound and, you know, quick picture quality and stuff like that. And I knew that sound was going to be a character. Millicent Simmons, she is, I want to say she's the oldest out of the, the three children. She's actually deaf in real life. Um, she, her character is just not just deaf, but she stole the movie for me. Um, there was a few times where I was like, girl, why are you going over here doing that? <laughs> you know, just like any typical horror movie you're over here, like, why are you doing that? But she really stepped up to the plate. Um, I think they are going to make a, a, um, a third one. And I want to say, if they do, I don't know if John Krasinski is going to come back and write a third one. I can see him actually passing it off because I've seen a few interviews where he was just like, you know, I didn't want to write a second one. But then, you know, the studio was like, well, we're going to do one anyways. And then I feel like he, I think he said something about how he just sat down and he just wrote an outline for what the second one could be. And he was going to pass it off. And by the time he was done writing the outline, he just wrote the second one and just fell in love with the script. So he was just like, all right, well, you know, naturally I was, this is where the stories would go. And I felt like he did a great job. Like I said, I, I, I'm a casual fan of horror movies, but this one, if you have not seen, you know, A Quiet Place 2, you need to check it out. Um, check it out in an environment where it is quiet. I think that if you watch it in an environment that's distracting, that has noise going on, it's going to take away from the elements of the movie. This movie does definitely warrant it. I remember there was this one part in the movie. Um, oh, um, uh, Millicent's character, because she's deaf, there's some times where you will go to her perspective and, you know, she'll take out her, I guess her inner ears or not inner ears, but, oh, uh, I, it's, it's really, really bad. Um, you, but you know, the, 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 the earpieces that allows them to hear, she hears like muffles and stuff like that. I think that's what, you know, she's done interviews and stuff like that. And that's how she describes like how she hears. But there's a few times where that piece will come out of her ear and it will go to her perspective and the whole movie gets completely silent. They take out all sound in the movie and it's very eerie. And I remember there's one part we were watching it and that happened and everyone in the theater, they stopped eating, they stopped moving. No one wanted to do anything because it was just frightening because you were just anticipating something was about to happen. And, you know, it, it was just crazy. The experience watching this movie was insane. I loved this movie so much. So, like I said, coming in at my number nine is A Quiet Place 2. If you have not seen A Quiet Place 2, you should definitely check it out. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to make a third one. I am forever a fan of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt because of this movie. And they're actually married in real life, which is really cool as well.
So moving right along, coming in at my number eight on the list is going to be one of two Marvel movies that ended up on my list. Marvel released four movies this year. And out of the four, only two made my list overall. Um, so that's why I was saying, like, it's not filled with, like, superhero stuff like that. But one of two Marvel movies that ended up on my list is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, directed by Destin uh, Daniel Cretton. Starring Simu Liu, Aquafina. And I had such an amazing time watching this movie. I actually had just a, a quick, I think I told the story in my first episode coming back because my first episode of season two was about Shang-Chi. But anyways, just to give a recap, um, I was actually able to grab tickets to a screening of the movie two weeks prior at the Chinese theater. And while they were doing their press tour and Simu Liu himself came out and greeted everyone in front of the audience in front of the, in, uh, in front of the theater once we, right before we was about to watch the movie it was so crazy and it was so cool and i think that that played a part in just my overall enjoyment anyways two weeks later i saw the movie again at the chinese theater opening night and even though i'm not of asian descent i feel like people who watch this movie um felt proud and felt represented you know the same way that i felt proud and represented when i walked away from black panther and I talk about representation a lot on my show because I feel like we've gone through, you know, many years in Hollywood where only a certain demographic of people was represented. And now we're getting to the age where that's being called out. You're getting all different types of people in front of the camera and behind the camera not just from you know uh, just men and women which are also getting asians and black and queer representation and you know mexican and well latin people just in general you know indian people you're getting so many different representation in front of the camera and behind the camera and i think that just the authenticity of it I, it's amazing and i think that just adds to like the pure enjoyment and you know the the story and you know it's i feel like people when they go see these types of movies we're used to seeing just one person on screen with just one type of person and i feel like everyone has the right to be represented you know another movie that it didn't make my list of top 10 but i still had a good time watching it i actually just released the uh, i talked about it on my, my last week episode you know in kanto you know uh, about a you know family from colombia stuff like that and it's just you know and there was a lot of things with colorism with other movies that came out, you know, I think even West Side Story had, you know, a little bit, you know, colorism in it, you know, just people just talking about it, like whatever. And, you know, and I, I think that it's, it's really important when you show true representation of a situation and it's done well and it's not cheesy, you know, you know, a lot of Chinese movies, they do come out and they feature Kung Fu and they feature like the martial arts and stuff like that and i think even i've seen an interview with simu liu where he talks about how he doesn't want to do movies that only does like you know you know fighting and kung fu and stuff like that he wants to do regular stories as well but this one was done in such a way that was so beautiful it was so you know authentic you know it really showed like the chinese culture and everything like that but this this was a beautiful movie to look at it was a great addition to the mcu movie um it does take place after you know avengers endgame as far as story wise but it's its own separate story so you don't have to be caught up with everything um to see you can actually go into the movie completely blind have not seen any marvel movies and still be able to enjoy this movie so much the only thing that you may be like what's going on is you know obviously the end credit scenes always have some type of tie-in to the overall you know movie or mcu and stuff like that but other than that 
I had so much fun watching this movie. Um, I they did announce a, a sequel is coming out, but I know Marvel's slate right now is filled with movies and TV shows, so we're probably not going to see a Shang Chi two maybe into 2023 maybe 2024 just because right now i know in 2022 they have you know four movies coming out i know uh, doctor strange and the multiverse of madness is coming out then they have thor love and thunder then they have wakanda forever black panther 2 and then i think those are the movies and then the tv shows themselves you know they just have a lot and i, I know it already in 2023 they have ant-man and the wasp quantumania and i know they also have the guardians of the galaxy volume three so those are the only two movies scheduled for 2023 so far but they've already announced a blade movie they've already announced a um a fantastic four movie that's coming so they could maybe throw it in the oh and they've announced you know captain america four with uh, sam wilson so those movies have already been announced and i'm probably already in development and they just announced um shang chi 2 so we'll we'll see what happened with that but anyways this uh falls into my number eight on the list shang chi and 11 uh oh shang chi and the legend of the ten rings oh my god justin get it together <laughs> moving right along to my number seven on the list now this movie wasn't on my radar at all i didn't know this movie was coming out i didn't know anything about it i think i may have seen something on netflix this is a netflix movie and uh, I may have seen it pop up, but I just didn't really have any conscious awareness of like anything about this movie until I seen one of the people that I follow online who also talks about movies and stuff like that. This ended up in her top 10 and I was like, hmm, let me just check it out. And then when I did, I, I looked at, you know, the cast um, of this movie. It was phenomenal. So number seven on my top 10 list is a movie called Don't Look Up. And I actually watched this movie very late in the year, like maybe either last week or the week before. And surprisingly, it just, it blew me out the water. And the reason why I say that is because this is like a comedy, I guess, satire type movie. The The premise of the movie is uh, two low level astronomers, uh, astronomer, uh, yeah, astronomers. Yeah, yeah, two low-level astronomers must go on a giant media tour to warn mankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. And it's not you it's it's I think the movie was made based on how we've been dealing with coronavirus. That's what I talk that's what I took away from it. Um but before I get into like the actual plot and how I feel about the movie, let's go let's talk about this cast really quick. Because there's a lot of people in this movie. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Tyler Perry, uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, Ron Parlin, Ariana Grande is in this movie. There's so many people in this movie. And, you know, and it, it just works. It, it really works. Um, but basically, Jennifer Lawrence's character and um, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's character they're you know they're astronomers i i know i'm saying that wrong uh astron astronomers they they look at science let's just go with that because <laughs> it's crazy but anyways they discover a comet and at first they're like oh my god this is so crazy this is cool and they start running the math to see like the the trajectory of it and realize it's about to hit earth like they're like oh snap and they, you know, they, they're able to just through science, they're able to get the, the, the diameter and the, the width and how big and it's a massive, it's a massive comet, maybe the size of Mount Everest, I think they said. 
heading towards Earth. And it's not it's not a movie like, you know, 2020-12 is just talking about the destruction of Earth. It's about how people are handling the situation. And I think that's what intrigued me because everyone in this movie besides every like besides those two and maybe one other person isn't taking it serious they're just like oh you know it's fine it's cool um or we'll deal with that later and i when i was watching it halfway through i was like you know what i think this movie was made about how people have been dealing with the current pandemic that we are in right now you know there's some people who's not taking it serious there's some people out there who believe coronavirus is not real some people they are taking it serious and i think it was just a clever way to really address that and really show like how divided we are not only as a country but as a world when it comes to worldwide events and there there's only certain movies that actually make me laugh out loud or make me have a reaction like that and the reason why i say that this is a comedy is because you know just because of the satire and the way that they came about telling the story I'm not going to give away the ending or anything like that because I want everyone to check this movie out. You know, Netflix has a lot of movies and they actually stepped up to the plate where they're not just B and C level actors. They're actually getting some really heavy hitters. This movie alone, you know, like it was made for Netflix. I think it came out in theaters. Um, you know, Netflix now with the Academy Awards and stuff like that, they, you know, not just Netflix, but Amazon Prime or Hulu, if they want to put a movie out and have it nominated for like any type of prestigious award, it has to play in theaters, even if it's like for a week or like a few, it has to play in a theater somewhere in the country. So I do believe this movie plays in a few at a few places but it wasn't like a widespread you know netflix they'll just do that they'll throw a movie in a, in a theater for a week and then now it's available on netflix after that that way they can submit it for the academy awards or the golden globes or whatever the case like that so if you have not seen don't look up um even the title like when you realize why this movie is called don't look up and what that means in the movie it'll just blow you away and i think just watching this movie i was just like are y'all serious like this is a it's a real thing like i felt like i was in a situation myself and i think it was just like you know it was a zoom into like how we've been dealing with this coronavirus for the past two years that's my takeaway from this movie i if it was developed before you know COVID, i'm not sure but my takeaway from this is this is how the world has been dealing with coronavirus and you know it's, it's not a political movie with what we're dealing with today it's very entertaining and stuff like that but you know movies that usually have weight to them you know opens up a dialogue afterwards and i feel like this movie does exactly that so like i said coming at number seven is my movie don't well not my movie but one of my favorite movies of the year don't look up now these next couple of movies I'm going to talk about, um, I'm really excited to talk about them because I'm really happy that, you know, black movies have not just been cliche, you know, you know, thrown to the wayside type things, you know, like I'm, I'm happy that they're actually starting to get into the main spotlight, you know, it's it's unfortunate that a lot of movies we either have to tell like during the civil rights movement we have to tell like you know slavery movies um and i i want to be able to get beyond those but for the sake of you know just what we have right now there's a lot of great movies that came out this year black cinema in particular and a few of them ended up on my list so we're going to talk about it so number six and these next like from six on it's but like i said besides number one just because yeah i'm pretty sure you already know what number one is 
But I would say between six and two, it's they can be interchangeable. Depends on how I feel or depends when you ask me. But, you know, just for the sake of I had to put something together and I actually thought about this. And there's no there's no like whatever, like I didn't like this movie or like whatever. Like I love them all. It's just I had to put a list together. So coming in at number six is Judas and the Black Messiah, directed by Shaka King, stars starring uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Lakeith Stanford, um, it's it's a movie that I unfortunately did not know about uh, Fred Hampton growing up. You know, it's unfortunate that we are taught uh, the same things in school during Black History Month only during, you know, the 28 days, occasionally 29 days. We are only taught, you know, Martin Luther King. Um, they mentioned Malcolm X. You know, we're taught about um, Rosa Parks and maybe Third Good Marshall. You know, we're not taught, you know, the real black history because that's shining a spotlight to the messiness of this country. And that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but Fred Hampton, you know, uh, is someone I never heard about, unfortunately. And, you know, before, and, and just a side note, just to play into that, you know, it is not something that came out this year, but, you know, I remember a few years ago when I was watching Watchmen on HBO, you know, the, the you know, the, the comic, you know, the TV show, well, about the show that came out, Watchmen, about the comic book series. Um, they opened up the entire series with the massacre of Tulsa. And I'd never heard about Tulsa, you know, Oklahoma. And I remember watching it and I was like, wow, this is really intense. And this is like really everything. And then halfway throughout the show, I'm just on Twitter, just seeing when people are talking about the show and Tulsa is trending number one. And I was like, huh? So I look into it and I'm like reading all these different things. And I'm like, when I pause it and I was like, wait, hold on. So my aunt, Shout out to my auntie Sherry if you're listening to it. You know, she was actually in one of my episodes I did in my season one. Um, but I she's a she's a history teacher. So I call her and I was like, hey, um, do you know? I mean, obviously, do you know anything about Tulsa? And she's like, do I? And gave me a whole history lesson about this town that was destroyed you know, by you know, this black owned town, black business, black, it was pretty much black Wall Street was destroyed by, you know, the town next door, by, by all these white people because of whatever, because they didn't like them or because of a rumor or, you know, I know the specifics behind it, but this, that's not the point of me of this, what I'm talking about. What it is, is I just, I didn't, I never heard about Tulsa at all, all, you know, K through 12. I've never heard about Tulsa, Oklahoma and the massacre there. I knew about Rosewood in Florida just because it's in Florida and, you know, my family's my dad's side of the family, you know, was a part of that, unfortunately. So I didn't know about Tulsa, Oklahoma. So with Judas and the Black Messiah, I didn't know about Fred Hampton. I didn't know about, you know, he how he was, you know, killed at such an early age in his early 20s. Um, they said the FBI was on his trail. And it's so interesting because he was a part of the Black Panthers, um, and he, and um, and in school, I remember being taught about how you know you had Martin Luther King Jr., which was like the right side of the civil rights movement, and then you have like Malcolm X and the Black Panthers, which was on the wrong side. And I, this is not my words; I'm just stuff that I was taught. And you know, now that I'm an adult and I'm reading these things for myself, and I'm actually digging more into my history and you know the history of this country. 
I'm reading that the Black Panther Party was for the people. They fed the homeless. You know, they you know they they fed the children for school. They protected and they defended. The, the reason why the Black Panther Party was established was to do exactly what the police were not doing, was to protect and defend their community. And of course, because sometimes they had to get violent to protect and defend, they were deemed as a violent party. And Fred Hampton is no exception of that. And I just thought this movie was so beautifully done. Um, the tragedy of Fred Hampton was was sad to to witness, you know, in this movie. Um, I remember on Twitter, I saw this. I saved it because I thought this was just the most amazing thing ever. Um Fred Hampton, you know, he he passed away before his his son was born. I know his wife was pregnant with his son, but he was he was he was assassinated before his. I was I won't say he he, he didn't pass away. He was he was killed, um, but he was assassinated before his son was born. And Daniel Kaluuya saw his son. I'm pretty sure they had met before. Or I don't, honestly, I don't know if they did. But he he saw his son at this press event. It could have been for the movie. And I'm assuming it was after the son saw the movie because it was just this moment of silence between the two of them. You know, Daniel Kaluuya, he's such a humble person. He was he's such a I'm, I'm a huge fan of him, a huge fan of him. Uh, but he saw Fred Hampton Jr. I'm, I'm assuming it's Jr. I believe that's a junior. He saw Fred Hampton Jr. and they embraced each other um, and they just held each other and then they just had this moment of silence between them. And I, when I was looking at it, I was like, wow. And I, the way I took that as this was Fred Hampton Jr.'s a seal of approval of job well done, you know, for my father. And it was just a beautiful moment beautiful if you have not seen judas and the black messiah it is a hard watch if you don't like those types of things um but i feel like it's a necessary watch this was a movie that was released on hbo max and on theaters at the same day um i saw this movie on hbo max i wanted to get to the theaters and see it but for whatever reason i couldn't so i saw it on there and it is a beautiful movie if you like i said if you have not checked it out please be sure to check it out uh, make sure you're in the right mindset to check it out it is a heavy movie and a quick side note dominique thorne um one of the actresses in the movie what actually she has actually been cast as iron heart um if you don't know iron heart she is uh, in the in Marvel, it's a part of the Marvel MCU. But anyways, Dominique Thorne, she's supposed to be making an appearance in Black Panther 2. That's all I'm gonna say. But anyways, uh, she will be our Iron Heart. She picks up the legacy of Iron Man. Um, she is a brilliant scientist and everything like that. So be sure to be on the lookout for Dominique Thorne uh, coming to the MCU very very soon. All right, here we go. Top five is 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 we're getting into the thick of it, into the thick of it. <laughs> Anyways, so coming in at number five is King Richard. King Richard is you know about the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Um, stars Will Smith, and basically it just talks about his dedication to his daughters, about training them to become the best tennis players of all time. And I I wanted to see it just because you know it's it's a uh, has Will Smith in it you know I'm a, I'm a fans of Venus and Serena Williams and you know it doesn't show them as a, as adults it shows them as like young girls I would say between the ages of like 
maybe like 10 and like 15, 16, because I know there's like a few years in between uh, for when a movie starts and when a movie ends up. So they are like younger in their careers, but it just talks about the dedication a father has to his two daughters and you know sees the vision and and it's really interesting i i love watching biopics where you actually learn something you know there's a few times biopics come out and it's like all right we already know all of this stuff and it's just made just for fluff or it's not really made authentically um one i can think about is um the crazy crazy sexy cool the uh the movie about tlc uh what's love got to do with it the movie about tina turner that's a famous one um selena is another one you know i you know these biopics that you know this i one of some of my all-time favorites and i feel like this is gonna fall into that list as well and i liked it because you know, it, it shows it shows the dedication, like I said, of a father to, you know, his two daughters. And I've mentioned this plenty of times. I'm not a huge sports fan in real life, but I love sports movies because there's always a good message behind it. You know, I love feel good movies. I love movies that motivate me. And after watching this, I was like, OK, I feel like I want to go out and start training for something. <laughs> but um, I know Will Smith his his i feel like he's made his place in hollywood no no doubt about that um he's had some hits he's also had some misses unfortunately and i feel like he recognized that as an actor and as a person but i feel like the legacy of will smith is bigger than his hits and misses um i believe he brings so much to hollywood and to black people and to society as general he's a very wise person um I want to say it was earlier this year that they did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion. And it was a huge thing that, you know, if, if you don't know, if you haven't seen, you know, that reunion special. But when Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, there's a famous, you know, thing that happened where the first few seasons you had an original Aunt Viv, you know, dark skin, voluptuous, you know, strong black woman. And then another season happened and they switched to a whole different character and throughout the years we've been learning that will smith had beef with the original on viv and everything like that and they haven't spoken for years i i cannot remember the actress name um i do know she popped up in the season finale well not season finale but this the se season uh the last season of pose she was in one of the episodes did an amazing job but she hasn't acted in a while um and i think you know based on you know what she did with will smith you know allow her to get back into the game and, and not to say he did anything i just think that it was just you know but anyways they they came together they talked about you know why they stopped talking and will smith apologized he said i was young i was stupid this is my reasons behind certain things and i'm not giving excuses for it. i'm just telling you my truth and i i think that it was a very it was not cringy in the sense of like oh this is you know i don't want to watch this it was you know sometimes i think mature people we we need to sit down with people that we've offended or we've hurt or they may have hurt us and get healed you know you can walk around with bitterness in your heart for such a long periodically time and you know i feel like that special did that and it was amazing because they they mended each other i they may not be best friends right now but i feel like they healed and it was very big of the original unviv to come on you know she said you you ruined my career you ruined my life like what you did you you you, you cast me out you know i was thrown out of hollywood like you did that to me and he owned it like he he apologized and he he was like i'm trying to make things better i want to make things right 
you can tell it just came full circle and they were all able to come together at the end it was such a beautiful thing but anyways getting back to king richard i think that this movie i don't know if he's gonna win you know best uh, leading actor but i definitely feel like he needs to be nominated um you know even though the movie is about venus and serena venus and serena williams you know as a tennis player this movie is more about their father and the love that their father has for them and you know how he made decisions that may not have been always you know been favorable and you know he, a lot of people didn't see the vision but he he knew on the inside and they focus a lot in the movie about venus and you know and they they talk a, a lot about her she gets a lot of the training and stuff like that and i remember there was a line in the movie well just a part in the movie where certain was like you know i want this too and 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 he, you know, he, uh, Richard, Will Smith's character says to Serena, she's like, you know, I, I put you aside for a reason. I, you know, I know that you may feel like I forgot about you, but I have it. I wanted you to watch your sister because, you know, she's going to be strong, but you're going to be the best tennis player of all time. And, you know, to this day, you know, Serena Williams is considered the best tennis player of all time. She's she surpassed her sister Venus, and I just think it was a beautiful movie to watch. I love that movie so much. This was a, was another HBO um, Max and theaters release. I did watch it on HBO. I wanted to get to the theaters. Um, I did go to the theaters a lot. I know I keep saying I want to get to the theaters, but I did get to the theaters a lot and seeing a lot of movies in theaters. One of my things I wanted to do like this year is to go to the theaters a lot, um, but unfortunately. You know, if it was released in theaters and I could go see it, I went. If I couldn't, you know, I had to watch it, you know, a different way. But like I said, number five is King Richard. Coming in at number four is Respect, starring Miss One and Only Jennifer Hudson. Uh, Forrest Whitaker is also in it and Marlon Wayans. And Respect is another biopic about Aretha Franklin, the, the, the queen of soul herself. And what's crazy about Respect is before aretha franklin passed away she said if they ever made a biopic about her she wanted jennifer hudson to play her and you know they they honored her wishes and i feel like jennifer hudson not only played her she embodied you know aretha franklin sometimes when they when they cast you know major superstars to play in roles like this or to play other people it's kind of hard to look beyond who you're watching like like who the actor is because like oh i, I know it's just jennifer hudson but i feel like by the end of this movie i saw aretha franklin you know even from the way she carried herself her you know her speech was very different um it in for me the, the biggest challenge that i feel like i had to get over before i watched this movie was not seeing effie from dream girls because <laughs> i remember when i was watching the trailers i was like you know this is, is is effie you know as far as like how the movie is not any disrespect to you know aretha franklin but it's the same style of movie it's a you know singer in the 60s and everything like that um but this movie you know they they put jennifer hudson through the ringer she 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 went through and one thing that surprised me is i want to say she sung live for a lot of the stuff anytime that they were in a studio or you know they used jennifer hudson's voice they didn't use aretha franklin's voice 
you know and that's a that's a testament to the actor or the the singer or whoever they get to play that person because a lot of times like for example with what's love got to do with it it was angela bassett and angela bassett isn't a singer so she had to lip sync to you know um to tina turner's voice which is perfectly fine like you know you you, you hear the voice of the the singer that they're portraying but um another movie that came out i don't know if it was this year or if it was last year but the clark sisters on lifetime the the women that were playing the clark sisters they sung it wasn't it wasn't the clark sisters voices it was actually their voices and what's crazy is they sound just like them but for respect this movie blew me away and i had just mentioned about how like i like watching biopics and you learn something you know you, you learn something from this biopic that may have not been out there or like whatever and the biggest thing that i learned from this is that she had children at a very young age she was taken advantage of unfortunately and she you know had children at the age of like 12 and you know just seeing her journey and just you know we we know aretha franklin from respect and we know we know the older aretha franklin when she's a queen and she throws a lot of shade and stuff like that and this the movie wasn't about that it was about you know her journey to becoming who she was in a person and you know it ended with her recording her gospel album which i think that's i think they said it was her highest grossing album of all time i didn't know that so it's i had such a wonderful time watching this movie i love seeing beautiful black people on screen being portrayed beautifully and i think this movie was no exception um i love musicals i love you know learning about our history i didn't know that aretha franklin was a part of so many different civil rights movements and you know all the different things like that i didn't know her and martha Luther king jr was really close well uh, he was close to the family like it's there's a lot of things i learned in this movie and you know if you have not seen respect you need to check it out um it didn't come out um theaters and streaming at the same time so you had to go to theaters or you could have you know rented it afterwards um on pvod but like i said coming in at number four on my list is the movie respect all right number three oh we, we're, we're getting it oh it's just i'm just yeah it's we're getting into the thick of it now coming at number three and i this movie and this movie i it was it's, it was a hard watch only because of the subject matter and what i mean by hard watch is it's not something i could just go back and like rewatch over and over again but it was a beautiful movie um story that needed to be told united states versus billy holiday and it's it, like i said i i love biopics that teach me something and you know this one it was directed by lee daniels and the one and only lee daniels who's given us movies like um the the butler he's given us um he's done star uh, on fox he's done um uh empire on fox so anyways um starring audra day Javante rhodes and audra uh, audra day i think she's sung in this movie i don't know if they use billy holiday's voice i think audrey Day sung if, if not you know I, I could be wrong there but this movie blew me out the water it was funny is i actually talked about this movie in season one of the movie bugle with my aunt this is the one i when i shout out when i gave her a shout out earlier we talked about this one and this one this that episode 
actually has it was the highest um downloaded episode until another one that came out um and but i think it's still number two um so i i loved this movie loved it so much i loved the premise of the movie i i feel like what they did to um to billy holiday was messed up you know, this the movie is is basically about you know she writes a song called Strange Fruit. If you've never heard a song before, it's a very um, eerie um, but you know truthful song. Strange Fruit is is not about fruit that we can eat. It's about you know lynchings back in the 30s and 40s. You know, because that's where she died in the late 50s. So in her heyday was between the 30s and the 40s. And is, you know, she she talks about these strange fruits and being hung in the south and how their blood drips out to the to the ground. And, you know, they're in the soil and stuff like that. And of course, you know, the police and the government and the FBI, they all go after her and they want her to stop singing it because her song or her words is, you know, rallying people up and they don't like that. And they went after her. They went after that woman. And I, she died tragically. Um, you know, I, I want to say it was by her. I know she had a huge addiction to drugs and stuff like that as well. But when I say tragically, um, she died at an early age. I feel like she had a little bit more life in her. But the life that she lived, you know, was enough to impact generations to come. Because we're still talking about her now. The interesting thing about this movie is Audra Day, um, you know, is a singer. And when she talked about this movie afterwards in interviews, she talked about how she didn't want to do this movie. Um, I think they approached it to her before. And she's like, I didn't want to be an actress. That's not my thing. Like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what convinced her to do it, but I'm so glad because... I can't really think of anyone else who could have done this movie the way she did it. Um, I don't know a lot about Billie Holiday, just to be completely honest with you. Um, I've done research just throughout this year. Just after I learn or watch movies and stuff like this, I like to go and do a little deep dive and just really get into like their music and their culture and who they were as a person. So I'm familiar with her, uh, her work now. But I didn't know a lot about her, you know, beforehand. But it's I'm so happy I watched this movie. I'm so happy I got to talk about it with my aunt. And, you know, if you haven't listened to that episode, um, I forgot which number it is. But I know it's in season one. Go back and check it out. It's still available o- online. But, you know, I wanted to bring my aunt. And we talked about that that movie because, uh, like I mentioned before, my aunt is a history teacher. So we just talk about different things. You know, from a movie standpoint, from a history standpoint, it's, it was a great episode, like a wonderful episode. I loved it so much, um, but I love this movie as well. Um, it's it's it left me feeling very um, like, you know, sad, upset. You know, it brought out a lot of emotions when I was watching this movie. And I think that a good movie that has that can bring those emotions out did exactly what it needed to do. So. Uh, coming in at number three, like I said, is United States versus Billie Holiday. Now, my number two on my top 10 list of 2021 is a movie called Tick, Tick, Boom. Tick, Tick, Boom. I I am a huge, like I said, huge musical fan, huge musical fan. One of my favorite musicals of all time is Rent. And this movie is about the guy who created Rent. Uh, this movie is not about Rent. It's about the the plays and stuff he did before Rent. Unfortunately, uh, he passed away the night before the very first preview of Rent. So he never actually got to see it on Broadway. 
but he was there throughout the entire creative process and stuff. But this movie was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. You know, we know him from Hamilton. We know him from In the Heights. Uh, he's also written songs for the movie Moana. He wrote songs for Encanto. He's writing songs for the upcoming live action version of Little Mermaid. So a uh, huge fan of his. But Tick, Tick, Boom was a movie that I immediately wanted to see once I saw the preview, uh, it stars Andrew Garfield. I'm a huge Andrew Garfield fan, huge fan of his. Um, I fell in love with him as an actor ever since I seen him in uh, The Social Network. And he embodies Jonathan Larson so much. Like I said before, I like to go back and I like to watch interviews and stuff like that after a movie because I like to just do a deep dive and just jump all the way in. And... Lin-Manuel Miranda, the reason why he chose Andrew Garfield is because he saw him in a play in London. I forgot the name of the play, um, but he said it was like an eight-hour play. They have intermission, and they feed you dinner at the theater in between. But he said that Andrew Garfield just left it all on stage. He just exploded on stage with personality and charisma. And he said, that's my Jonathan Larson. And what's funny is, you know, Andrew Garfield does, he didn't know how to play piano. He didn't, he wasn't a singer, but he sings. That's him singing in this movie. Has a beautiful voice, has an amazing voice. My favorite song or sequence in the movie is not on the soundtrack. Um, this is pretty much in the in the movie there he's the, the 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 play tick tick boom he's talking about stuff that he's did prior he's talking about his personal life and talking about different things and stuff like that but uh, another play that they're sort of showcasing in the movie is a play called suburbia and and it didn't work out unfortunately um he he was able to like show it to the audience and the audience loved it but i think it was just a subject itself they were just like it's kind of hard to sell for broadway so his agent was like keep writing and just keep writing and just keep doing it and that's how he wrote tick tick boom and that one made it and then you know then he wrote rent so but it's about the struggle and it's it's about the perseverance and it's about how sometimes people don't see the vision but like i said one of my favorite sequences in that movie is called superbia i go ahead and listen to that song probably every single day um i i love it so much i'm sad it's not on the album but one of my favorite songs on the album itself is called come to your senses um it's a beautiful song beautiful song i love the instrumentation and Lin-Manuel Miranda said at, in an interview afterwards is when you watch the play Tick, Tick, Boom, you know, it's all these songs. But the way he did the movie was, you know, once a song was start, he would go, he would try to go into the mind of, Lin um, of Jonathan Larson and write, you know, and orchestrate like that song that way. So like, like the song Sunday if you haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to say like what happens in it, but you know, in the play itself, it's just the, the play tick, tick, boom is three people. It's the main person and it's two other singers and that's it. But with, there are sometimes there are these songs is like full productions and everything. And the, the purpose of it was to go into the mind of Jonathan Larson. And that's how it was done. Uh, Sunday was a surprise. Uh, there's a rap song in it where if you actually watch the play, the main person raps and he was like, you know, Jonathan Larson is this, you know, this, you know, this white, this white guy trying to rap. And it wasn't that it wasn't that great, but he got an actual rapper to perform it in the movie. Like it was such a beautiful movie. I've seen this movie like a few times. Um, it's in my list of just musicals that I just enjoy so much. And I think it's the music itself for me that put it so high up on the list. 
and the actor himself um, that just puts it so high up on the list. But I, if you have not seen Tick, Tick, Boom, this is one I did try to see in theaters. Um, it did play in some theaters, but I wanted to see it in a, in a premium, like premium experience, like Adobe because of the music and I couldn't find it. But it was in theaters for like a week and then it went to Netflix. So I just waited until it went to Netflix and then I saw it on Netflix. But coming at number two is Tick, Tick, Boom. And then my favorite movie of 2021, if you haven't guessed it by now, of course, is Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, I know that some of the other movies on my list are better films overall, like, you know, better overall films. Um, and I can be conscious enough to say that. However, comma, the reason why this is my number one movie is because I am a huge Spider-Man fan. I am a huge fan of the MCU. Um, what they were able to accomplish for this movie is beyond words for me. Um, and, and this is, I'm just going to have to, you know, just talk about this movie. So if you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, you know, you can pause this now and come back and finish this ep this podcast episode afterwards. But just know that before I get into the, my reasonings, my number one is Spider-Man No Way Home. I love this movie so much. But uh, this is spoiler warning, just in case you haven't seen it. You know, I'm letting you know now, giving you a chance to go ahead and pause it. I don't want to hear anyone say, oh, why'd you say this in your podcast? I'm giving you plenty of time to press pause. You can press pause now if you want to. Um, but um, Spider-Man No Way Home is because honestly, I knew that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield was coming back for this movie from all the different plot leaks and the rumors and stuff like that. But to see all three, I'm just getting chills thinking about it. Just to see Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire together on the same screen made me tear up. Like I literally teared up watching this movie. Um, it's crazy how Andrew Garfield is in my top two movies of the year. I just, you know, and I, I wanted to say that once I got into talking about this movie because I don't want to say it and spoil it for anyone who has not seen Spider-Man yet. But this movie was an accomplishment that started when Sony and Disney came together with uh, Captain America Civil War with allowing Disney to use you know, the Spider-Man character for that movie. And I've mentioned this plenty of times, but just in case you still don't know, Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man and all its characters. They've owned the rights since the first Spider-Man movie that came out in 2001. No, sorry, 2002. And the reason why is because Marvel Entity wasn't really together as a movie studio until um, um, the first Iron Man movie. And then Disney bought them in 2009. And then they've been, you know, underneath Disney ever since. But beforehand, there was just a comic book, you know, studio, you know, they licensed out different characters to different studios. That's when we had like the Fantastic Four back in the early 2000s. We've had like, you know, Ghost Rider, all the different X-Men movies, all the different Spider-Man movies. We've had like Daredevil with um, with Ben Affleck. You know, we've had Elektra. We've had all these different movies come out throughout the years that doesn't really have stories that connect with each other. And it's only been since Iron Man that they've all been like connected in the same universe because Marvel has like come back together. And since then, Marvel has gotten the rights back to all of its characters except Spider-Man and all of his characters. So like when I mean all of his characters, like all the villains and the side characters and stuff like that, Sony owns the rights to all those characters. 
So when you had the original Sam Raimi trilogy, Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, and then they rebooted it, and they did Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 with Andrew Garfield, and then they rebooted it again within the MCU with Tom Holland, you know, no one thought back then they were going to pull this off. Like, this was ever going to be a thing. And I think just the pure excitement of just seeing Tobey Maguire back on screen, he's always been my favorite. And I think just for nostalgia purposes, he would still be my favorite. Spider-Man 2 is my uh, was my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time until this movie. But I feel like just the same way I felt about Avengers Endgame, the culmination of everything that came before, that's how I feel about Spider-Man No Way Home. And I feel like they were able to pull it off. We knew we knew they were coming, but we didn't. It was still exciting to see it on on the screen together. And just I'm even thinking about like you know, like the little subtle little things here and there, like when they were in the laboratory working and like, you know, Ned was like, hey, Peter. And I was like, yeah, and they and they did the meme. It was so like, it was so like cheesy, but it, it, it worked. It, it played off. And there was a lot of fan service in this movie. I totally get it. I totally understand. But I think as a comic book fan, as a Spider-Man fan, this was a love letter to all Spider-Man fans of saying thank you. It opens up the possibilities of so many different directions the MCU can go moving forward. Now the, the, the multiverse has been introduced and we've actually seen the multiverse happen on the silver screen. You know, it's, you know, we have Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness coming up next. And then, you know, now there's possibilities about, you know, you know, I know Tom Holland is going to do another Spider-Man movie. They've already confirmed that. But now there's other possibilities about even getting Andrew Garfield to come back. And I think Tobey Maguire, I feel like he did this movie. He's sort of done with, not done with the character himself. Like he never wants to do it again. I feel like if they brought him back in another like multiverse type movie, he may do it as like a small cameo type thing. But I don't think he's going to want to do another whole Spider-Man movie himself because that's the case they would have to bring back you know uh kirsten dunce and mj like you know they have to, i think so i think he's done he's also a little bit older i don't think he's been acting as much but andrew garfield is very much in love with the character he was super excited about doing it and i, I felt kind of bad because this entire year everyone's been trolling andrew garfield are you in it and he's like no i'm not i'm not in the movie those are photoshops i don't know what the case may be but they everyone knew and you could just tell and i can't wait till he actually does an interview where he can come out and be like okay everyone i know i lied but i'm in the movie <laughs> but it was such an amazing experience i saw at the chinese theater opening night um i wanted to go to the very first showing but i went with a group of people and we had to go to the second showing but i saw it opening night and i saw it again the next night and it was it was just amazing i can't wait to buy it on dvd or, or blu-ray 4k all the premium formats i want the digital version i want all of it i want to be able to dive into the story again um just to see like alfred molina come back as doc og and Willem defoe come back as green goblin to see jamie fox come back as electro you know just see all the different the the developments of all the different characters how the story ended was a very like like dark and somber place and they did talk about how this movie was not going to have a happy ending and the the ultimate sacrifice of you know peter parker allowing everyone to forget who he is to to fix everything and even giving up the woman that he loves mj um zendaya killed it 
you know, him swinging through Times Square in his classic Spider-Man suit with no Stark technology a part of it. It was just a homemade suit that he made uh, was beautifully done. I, I just think that it was it was a perfect like, OK, and that was the movie to wrap up the Homecoming series itself. Um, so if they do another trilogy, it'll be called something else. It's not going to be home, whatever is it could be, you know, alone. It could be whatever. But I. I talked about this movie so much leading up to the movie. I'm talking about it now. Um, there's so much anticipation and hype that came with this movie. So like I said, my number one movie of the year, Spider-Man No Way Home. So just to do an, another recap, number 10 was Zola. Number nine was A Quiet Place 2. And number eight was Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Number seven was Don't Look Up. Number six was Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, number five was King Richard. Number four was Respect. Number three was United States versus Billy Holiday. Number two was Tick Tick Boom. And my number one movie of 2021 was Spider Man No Way Home. So there you guys have it. My top 10 list of 2021. I had such a fun time talking about these movies with you guys. Like I said, I'm going to be taking a break. This is my last episode of season two. I will start back up either in March or April. So be, be sure to follow my Instagram page. Um, I'm going to still be trying to interact with people in between there, like here and there. I'm not going to go completely silent. I still, I don't want to lose traction or anything like that. And I'm going to have a lot of cool things. I want to get back into doing videos for season three. I want to be able to connect with you guys a lot more. So please be sure to follow me on my Instagram page because that's where you're going to be able to keep in contact with me and interact with me in between now and when I come back again for season three at the movie bugle you can also follow me on my um my twitter page at the movie bugle and I do have a tiktok it's just not live yet <laughs> I haven't posted anything yet but I have created a tiktok um uh, so I can post videos and stuff like that on there if you follow me on my instagram page you'll be able to get my information for my tiktok once I actually start posting on tiktok I got to figure out how to do all that stuff first. But anyways, thank you so much for guys for tuning in. Um, I love you guys and I will see you all in season three. Bye bye. <laughs>